CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, we're live at the Nasdaq market site on this Friday afternoon. The guys here getting ready behind me while they're doing that. Here's what's coming up on the show. Boeing's having its best year in nearly four decades. If you missed the rally, fear not, because we have a way to buy it for less than $5. Plus, small caps have been lagging the market. But if history's any indication, it could be your best bet into year end and later. Investors have been rushing into retail stocks, but there's something in the charts that suggests one name has run too far too fast. We'll break it down. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. Let's get right to it, because as the Dow and the S&P 500 close at a record high today, small caps have stalled out. The Russell 2000 posting its worst week in a month. But with tax reform on the horizon, should you buy these stocks into year end? Let's get in the money, Mike. Uh, In general, you should buy things into year-end. Seasonally, this is a good time to be long stocks. I don't see a whole lot of reasons why this thing's going to roll over and fall out of bed here. I'm just talking about equities generally. And we often talk about relative valuation, and it's interesting because, of course, if you take a look at the Russell 2000 on a price-earnings basis, this is trading at or maybe even below where the S&P is trading. So it suggests that uh, you could still be long here. So there's a a lot of bigger seasonal factors to the markets, but also this notion, I mean, if we do get tax passed, shouldn't we see this group rally? It's interesting. If you look at the performance since mid-August when things really weren't going particularly well for this administration and the the prospects of major legislative sort of um, process uh, or progress happening wasn't great, you know, the, 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 the IWM, the Russell 2000, looked like it was going to roll over. I mean, it really looked, it was a massive underperformance. So you've had this like 12, 13% rally since then. Obviously, I think a lot of enthusiasm about tax passing is in it right now. And then if you get that final push, so maybe you do get that breakout. That being said, it seems to me, depending upon what happens maybe next week in this election in Alabama, that this thing could be pushed out into 2018 a little bit, possibly. Who knows? You know, And that would make this, this in- index in particular a little vulnerable, in my opinion. Well, Carter, you say that in the charts, it looks like it could be a Santa Claus rally for well, I, I mean, if precedent is what it is, and we know seasonality is what it is, the, the lag in small cap is enough to suggest that you want to try to play this for catch-up. So I wanted to look at the IWM and put it in the context of history and then uh, see what we can get. So pretty straightforward numbers here. The, we know the S&P goes back to 1928, but the small cap, uh, Russell 2000, goes back to 1979. So all this data is from 79 to present and still... What this is is performance um, in the month of December, right here, okay? So all years, the S&P has done this as an average. Yes, it's, it's the best month of the year. And Russell 2000 has done this, meaning almost double. Now, this year, this is 2017, we're not on pace. We're not on schedule. Yes, the S&P is up, but nowhere near as much as it, quote, has been on average. And the Russell 2000 is actually down. So this is an anomaly, and I think ultimately that's going to get uh, arbed away, or at least some of it. So take a look at the table a different way. This is relative performance, right? All uh, Decembers, typically the Russell outperforms, and this time it's underperformed by 130 base points. I think that's going to get, again, uh, shrunk, and so we want to play IWM on the long side. 
You also get beta here, so if and as this works, you get a little extra kick as well. These are the numbers year to date. We know it's a big lag. I think, again, we're going to play for the catch-up. Let's look at some charts of the IWM, and then I'm done. Um, how to draw the lines. One thing we know is that after you break out from a high, you often check back. So watch how we can draw the lines this way. Meaning, after you break out often, you will check back, and it checks back perfectly and hits that line and goes again. Let's add another line. Now we've got two. So again, we've got the breakout, we've got the check back. We've got the next breakout, and we've had this check back. It should be ideal right here, and we've right on trend. I think you can put your next green arrow in and make the bet that the IWM goes higher. I want to be long. So, Mike, you want to play for this breakout, huh? I am going to play for the breakout. And actually, I do want to highlight there are still some risks, though. I think Dan was actually talking about that. You know, if one of the reasons why we're seeing an upward move is because of tax, you know, Colin's comments today, I think, are reason for concern. I was looking after February, you could buy the 152, 162 call spread, spend $3.80 for those 152s and sell the other ones against it for 50 cents. You're spending $3.30 to make that bet, so about 2% of IWM's current level, and obviously you get to play through the holiday season. And if it turns out that we get some negative news, and as you point out also, the election next week I think could play into that quite heavily. Yeah, I, I think if you agree with Carter's technical setup, that's a really nice looking, those are some good lines. It's, uh, yeah, it is very orderly. And, and I think that one, one of the things that's really important is if you think about for most of 2017, you know, that thing was consolidating, then you got that break back, breakout, and then you got the check back. Now you throw the fundamental outlook into it, you throw seasonality, and it makes sense. So if you agree with all that, I like Mike's trade because you're targeting a 10% wide move. It's a little less than 30% of the, of the width that you're paying, so about 2%, right? Um, and that's a good risk-reward to play. You know, a lot of people think that if we get this tax and we get into the new year and everything's going okay, then you may just have a melt up early in the new year. That being said, if it doesn't go that way, you're risking about 2% for about 2% uh, for two months to have exposure to the upside for a breakout. one thing to add about this, which is the construction of the two indices. Small cap has a much bigger weighting in financials. So in a way, this is also playing, you're betting that rates are going to go and, and so forth. So if that doesn't happen, that's going to not make this a good trade. But the two things that you're citing, meaning for either caution or exactly what's going to make it work, are the taxes and the overweight in financials. The overweight in financials, Mike, does that make you more optimistic about this trade working out or less? Uh, more, for sure. More. I mean, first of all, I think we saw some positive signs this week, some sure. really material ones that suggest and are supportive of that point of view. You know, one final thing, and I keep hearing it, people are always talking about, you know, equities are fully valued or maybe even slightly overvalued. Typically, bull markets don't end when you reach full valuation. Typically, they end when you reach overvaluation. And you also will see, typically, upticks in volatility signaling that investors are starting to get a little bit nervous and some are running for the exits. And we haven't seen that yet. So that, again, is encouraging a, a bullish point of view into year's end. Now to retail stocks heating up over the last few months. The XRT retail ETF surging nearly 20% from its August low. This is a number of big box stocks have been breaking out. Check out Walmart and Costco, both up around 20%. Home Depot's up 10%. Even Target, which has been lagging the market all year long, is getting in on this action. So, Dan, you say there's trouble ahead for one of those names next week. What are you looking yeah, at? Yeah, let's look at Costco. They're going to report their fiscal Q1 earnings next Thursday after the close. The options market is implying about 3.7% move in either direction. That's about 7 bucks. That's about how much much has moved on average over the last four quarters. But it's interesting when you think about that, Mel just said, over the last month or so, Walmart and Costco are both up about 20%. But here's something that's really important. Walmart's up 40% on the year. 
Cost goes up 20% on the year, okay? So given about two months ago, um, Costco was trading flat to down on the year. Look at that chart right there. I just want to show there's a gap um, back in early October, October 10th. That was after their fiscal Q4 earnings. And there were some trouble signs, fundamental trouble signs. That's why the stock gap down 5%. They were getting basically, um, they were seeing lesser membership fees and tighter gross margins. They're competing with Amazon, Amazon Prime. Now with Amazon's uh, combination of Whole Foods, Costco has to invest a lot more to do uh, daily or uh, same day delivery for groceries, that sort of thing. So to me, I don't think the issues that we saw when the stock was at 155 on October 10th, two months ago, have abated. So when you look at this earnings event next week, I think it sets up, given this massive ramp in Costco over the last month and a half or so, as a good short opportunity from a trade. And I think that to do it with defined risk here makes a lot of sense. So I want to look out to January expiration. Today, when the stock was trading at 188, you could buy the January 188. 85, 175 uh, put spread, paying $2.50 for that, buying one of the January 185 puts for $3.65, selling one of the Jan 175 puts at $1.15. You break even down at 182.50. You can make up to 750 between there and 175. And again, you're risking 250. So when you do the math, that's about one and a half percent of the underlying stock price. I'm targeting an event. I'm giving myself some time to play out. Here's a stock that's trading 20 times earnings. It's a little rich. So you think about it, I think there's a lot of enthusiasm enthusiasm in this stock in particular, that is baked into this tax situation. So to me, if there's any fundamentally bad news like we saw in early October, the stock's going back the down to that breakout. The stock you know, is actually, I would argue, overvalued here. I mean, at almost 30 times earnings, as you point out. One thing I would also say is that this options trade sets up very nicely. You're paying 250 on a $10 wide spread. And take a look at what happened last earnings. 6% move on one day. You could easily see a move of that magnitude again. So I think the trade setup makes a lot of sense. And I think the upside here is very likely limited. I mean, we actually were bumping into the exact same issues the last time it traded almost to these levels, and it fell back significantly from them. So I mean, I, I I'm on the other side of this. We talked about it a little bit before the show. I, I, there's a couple things that the, the thinking would be, not necessarily that you articulate either of you, that maybe it's gone a little too far, too fast. That it's, But this is a stock that's lagged massively. I actually maybe have a table here. Uh, if you were to look at the performance of Costco over the last six months, I mean, you're talking about a stock that's up only 3 4% versus the market up 9 Over the past two years, it's trailed the market by 50%. So one of the preconditions for outperformance is proceeding underperformance that then starts to reverse. The catch-up trade in retail overall has been massive. Costco is just starting that process. It did just break out on the charts. And, and I think there's... Uh, the risk that after gapping down two quarters in a row, that it gaps up on this next quarterly report. Are you well, worried that's about that? That's what makes the market. market. I mean, that's all good. I, I just look at the massive underperformance. I look at the competition that they're facing. I, fig, I you know, like to me, there was a, obviously a sentiment shift in retail that I don't buy. I've been wrong on that. I've been mm -hmm. short the XRT, so I got that trade wrong over the last month. But I think this is one where they are squarely in Amazon's, you know, sites here. And I just think that uh, it's not going to be a one-quarter phenomenon. I would be surprised by an last. operational and a financial blowout this this yeah. quarter. That's the final thing I would leave it with. All right. For everything's Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our super cool newsletter. It's apparently all the rage, so what are you waiting for? Here's what's coming up next. Boeing has been a home run for investors this year, but if you miss the move, we've got a way to buy it for less than five bucks. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. 
Welcome back to Options Action. Boeing hitting another record high today, now up 83 percent this year and tracking for its best annual performance in nearly four decades. Breaking down the incredible run is the always incredible Dom Chu. Hey, Dom. Well, Melissa, this Boeing is a beast, undisputed. You can't really say that it's single-handedly powered the Dow. It's done, though, more than its fair share of the heavy lifting. Of the around 4,500 points that the Dow has gained so far this year, 885 of them, or thereabouts, has been just Boeing. So that's around one of every five Dow points in 2017. That translates into a market value gain of around $75 billion. What's more impressive about Boeing's 83% run this year is how much bigger that return is than any other stock in the Dow. Second place in terms of year-to-date performance is Caterpillar, up just 55%. And Apple is in third place with a measly 47% return. The worst performing stock in the Dow this year, no surprise here, we've been saying it all along, General Electric, GE down 44%. That performance gap of around 127% between top and bottom Dow stock is the biggest since 2012, when Bank of America was up 109% and Hewlett Packard was down 45%. So can that run continue into next year? According to data from Factset, we are pretty much spot on the average analyst target price right now. Not sure, Melissa, if they start up in targets or are calling the shares now for fairly valued the recipe du jour. We'll see what happens. Back over to you. All right. Thank you very much, Dom. Well, if you missed out on Boeing's big run, fear not, because we've got a way to get in on the rally for less than $5. Mike's over at the plasma with the call to action. Mike. All right. So as Dom was pointing out, we have had a big run in the stock, and it is trading close to analyst price targets. But we're going to take a look at doing a call spread risk reversal, and this is a trade if you're bullish longer term in Boeing, as I am. This is a trade you could take a look at. Secondly, this is a trade that you could get into if you want to cushion against modest declines. We're going to take a look at some levels and see why that might be important. And this is finally a trade that you might do if options are fairly priced or maybe even slightly overpriced. Taking a look at how the stock has behaved, one of the things we can see is that the move, especially most recently, has been particularly sharp. And I'm taking a look at this level from whence it moved. When I take a look at the February 265, 285, 305 call spread risk reversal. You're going to buy the 285 calls, sell the 305 calls, and sell these 265 puts against it. That whole trade cost you about $3.30 when I was taking a look at it today. So you are going to have some modest losses in here, the premium that you spent. But basically, the real risk is you get put the stock down at 265 and you get to participate if it takes a $20 rally. What would be your biggest concern about Boeing at this point, Mike? Uh, well, first of all, obviously, the valuation is one of the things, you know, one of the other things we have heard a little bit of concern about where Boeing is concerned is 777, for example. That's one of their more expensive aircraft, heavily Mideast dependent. Um, but look, single-aisle single aircraft sales, you've got five-year backlog. That looks pretty promising to me. All right, why don't you come back over to the desk, I guess. Uh, Dan, what do you think of the structure of no, this trade, and would you, would you like to be in Interesting trade structure. We don't talk about this uh -huh. too much. Mike obviously goes to the plasma, talks about put selling as a way to kind of take in some premium against names that you're bullish on. Here's, a, here's one where he's actually going the opposite way. He's willing to sell a downside put to help finance some, uh, um, some upside. So you're playing for, what, a 5-7% move to the upside. I, I like the relationship of it. I know that's a 20-wide call spread, and you're actually your worst-case scenario is that you're put down about 20 bucks. So it seems like a kind of fair risk-reward here. So um, makes sense to me. And when you think about it, I know the stock's up 85 percent of the year the chart that you were just showing doesn't really show it do it justice it looks like a really nice kind of consolidation then this breakout but when you look at it up 85 percent of the year in a different chart it looks a little well, what does carter say about the chart i mean look if you're up, up into the right in a straight line like that there's almost nothing to interpret right i mean the thing is just tick, 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 like that i think you do have one thing that's important it's not 
really idiosyncratic to Boeing, which we know like, uh, Airbus is up you know, 50% year to date. We know that Northrop Grumman and Lockheed and, and, and Raytheon, it's been a very strong group. Um, and, and, and the momentum's there. This, I think it goes higher, and I think you just got to respect that. It won't last forever, but it's lasting for now. Should we be worried, I mean, it's the end of the year, that you sell the Dow winners and you go into laggards? There, there is always oh, that. dogs of the Dow idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, this is a situation, I mean, oftentimes you can look at industrials and you can think about cyclical patterns. This is an industry where basically you have long-term drivers, and we have long-term drivers that remain intact here. You know, one other thing that I didn't mention as a potential risk would obviously be if you started to see additional competition in the basically the sweet spot of those single-aisle aircraft coming from places like China and maybe Brazil, but we haven't seen that yet. So, I mean, with a five-year backlog of orders and increasing productivity, these are pretty positive things fundamentally for the company yeah, longer and, term. And there's not going to be competition. Are you going to get on some plane made no, by thank somebody? You. Yeah, no, thank you. Right? By a company <laughs> in China? Or, or you but, no, can you. I ask Carter a question here? Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. so I know that's your job. Yeah, you questions. can ask okay, questions. I like um, but it just, you know, when you think about this, you think about the stock market that we're in. Dom just set it up. He's saying that this is, what, one-third of the Dow's gains this year, whatever the number was. You know, we haven't had a sell-off of more than 3% in over a year now. And when you think about this stock being up 165% from the 2016 lows in Q1, the last time this market really ever had any volatility, aren't we starting to get really complacent here? Are these charts kind but of show that? Complacent, you know, you guys know this as, as people who study options for a living, right? I mean, volatility is low. I'm not sure there's any more complacency in Boeing than there's right now McDonald's, for instance. There are a lot of stocks that have that. It's just the kind of environment we're in. Yeah, I mean, also from those low levels, this was a compelling valuation opportunity back then, and I think, you know, hindsight obviously bears that out as well. Coming up, Dan is betting on one deal stock that's up more than 10% from its low just last month. We'll give you the name and what has him so bullish. Plus, got a question for one of the traders? Send us a tweet to add options action. If it's nice, we'll read it later in the show. Much more options action still ahead. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Three weeks ago, Dan made a contrarian call on AT&T. Here's the thing. The stock now is down at a level where I think it makes sense to, to be a little contrarian. It makes sense to define your risk. I think you need to give yourself some time. If you look at that chart right there, it really does look like that 36 level is a big breakdown level. Today, when the stock was trading at 34.60, you could buy the February 35.40 call spread, paying $1 for that well, since the time of the trade, AT&T is up around 5%, trading above the $36 level. So what do you do now? Yeah, so it trades pretty well. It's up to $36.70. This trade that cost a dollar back then is now worth about two. And I think, you, you know, you could either take some profits, you could take half off, take the money off the table. You have until February expiration. I suspect that if a Disney deal for Fox assets gets announced, I think that's probably something that will give traders some sense of optimism about um, the AT&T Time yep. Warner deal happening. So you could see this thing at 38, I think, over the next couple of weeks. So I think it looks pretty decent. I mean, it's a heck of a ricochet. And the other thing that's good about it is that Verizon did it, too, yep. in the sense that you've got a glue. If it's a group, it's not really a group. It's two stocks. But I mean, that kind of momentum can carry. Also three weeks ago, Cohen Carter said D.R. Horton's amazing run was done. I want to fade this. I think it's excessive. Uh, this is the largest home builder, and I think if you've got great profits in it, you have to if you own it. Take your money and run. It's tough, as you were just pointing out, to go and spend a lot of premium. This time we're actually going to try to look to collect some. I was looking at this earlier. You could sell the January 48.50 call spread, collect 80 cents. But since then, the stock is up another 6%. So, Mike, uh, how are you managing the trade, first You know, of all? this is a situation where when the stock just sits there, 
time is on your side. When it runs through that long strike in the call spread, time is actually not on our side anymore. So we've basically seen a short premium trade turn into a long premium. If you are still inclined to fade, what I would do is close this out and roll out and up. I think we have to do that in the sense that, I mean, this thing is just uninterrupted. But what has started to happen, if you look at the last six, eight, ten sessions, that was the hope initially, is that it is starting to underperform the market. I think it's run its course, and we want to kick it can down there. I'll tell you, I was rooting for you guys with that Toll Brothers was down 7.5% earlier I in the week, and, and, and this thing didn't even budge. So that's probably another reason why you kind of take your lumps and move on. All right, coming up next, we got your tweets and the final call from the Options Bits. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Our first question is from Zach, who asks, I bought Bank of America calls for 30 cents. J.P. Morgan calls for a buck. Both expire next Friday. Mike, what do you think? What do you think? I think I like buying calls and financials and maybe even XLF, but I would stretch that out a little bit further. I like the 28s in March and XLF. All right. Next question is from London, who asks, how would you play AMD? Dan? Cheerio, London. Um, I would say that you have to wait here. There's no options listed past January. This company's going to report earnings in late January, and then there's no options until April. So I think you have to wait a couple weeks and see some Febs in March listed. What a, what a bad circumstance when semis have been going up forever and ever, and AMD's not participating. That tells you everything you need to know. All right. Time now for the final call. Last word from the options pits. Carter, kick it off. I want to uh, play small cap stocks via the IWM on the upside. Mike Call spreads in IWM are the way to make that play. Dan Nathan. Yeah, so it sounds like my cost goes a bit contrarian to Carter's bullish technical call here, but I think it sets up nicely defined risk bearish into the event next week. All right, looks like our time has expired. I'm Melissa Lee. Thanks so much for watching. Check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. Meantime, we'll see you back here next Friday, 5.30. Mad Money starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.